Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, hey, welcome in. It's a World Soccer Talk Radio, the show where Jamie Vardy is always having a party and Luis Suarez is biting off four goals at a time, and Gary Neville is crying. My name is Nate Abaurea. Pleasure and a privilege to be with you right here on Sports Byline. You can listen to us in podcast form, in addition to the live show during the weekdays, 1 to 2 Pacific time here on Sports Byline. Podcast form, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the website worldsoccertalk.com. Always a very special hello to the men and women serving overseas, listening via the American Forces Network. And all of you, whether you're listening live or on demand, you're hanging out at the gym or having a nice little nap on the beach or something, it's starting to warm up in some places around the country here. Whatever you're doing, however you're listening to us, we've got a very special treat for you today. NBC's lead commentator of the Barclays Premier League. You know him real well. You know his voice real well. And I think, I think you know his face real well. He's been on TV enough here in America. Arlo White is going to be with us. Haven't had Arlo on the show for some time. We had Arlo on actually back in late April of 2015 when his beloved Leicester City were in the midst of one of the greatest great escapes in relegation history in, in the Premier League or even, even in the English top flight. You go back quite a ways and there was a stat that came out I love that from from that run that Leicester had where Leicester won four matches on the trot you might remember that being led by Nigel Pearson that's right the man who will strangle you and guide you to the promised land Nigel Pearson's Leicester City won four matches on the trot during that great escape that was the first Leicester City four match league winning streak since 1966 since 1966. So think about that in terms of what Leicester are doing on top of the Premier League right now. And yeah, I'm sure you've seen that Jamie Vardy goal against Liverpool quite a few times already. I can't get it out of my head for better or worse. But think about that four-match win streak and, and the form that Leicester found late last year. And Think about maybe how that form relates to what they're doing at the top of the table here in the 2015-2016 Barclays Premier League campaign. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with Arlo White. I'm stoked to have Arlo back on the show. And we are also going to talk a little folk music before the show is over, as well as some Filbert Street memories, the hallowed grounds of Filbert Street. It's a Leicester treat, but we're also talking about the rest of the Premier League right here on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline, 
Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio. Our guest in this edition of the show is NBC's lead commentator of the Barclays Premier League. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show Mr. Arlo White. Arlo, how are you doing, sir? Very good night. Um, I hope you're well as well. Absolutely. So let's get right into the immediate stuff for you and talk about your next assignment. Southampton West Ham heading down to the South Coast you will be and talk about what you're most looking forward to about the Saints and the Hammers this weekend. Well, a a couple of things spring to mind and uh, hopefully if he's fit and I know he missed uh, Southampton's last game uh, with a knock at Arsenal during the week after starting his uh, Saints career with, with such a uh, a splash with the winning goal at Old Trafford. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing Charlie Austin uh, in the red and white striped shirt of Southampton. You know, what a signing he could be uh, for Ronald Koeman's side, a, a club who we've all enjoyed watching, I think, over the last two or three years, who had just started to slip slightly over the Christmas period. You know, sounds of, uh, of a little bit of unrest behind the scenes, Sadio Mane being dropped to the bench for, for discipline reasons, you know, Victor Wanyama getting sent off in rash circumstances, and just generally things seeming to slide a little bit there. And people were wondering, well, you know, have, have, have signing, or sorry, selling uh, a lot of their talent over the last few years, has it caught up with Southampton? But then, you know, Tadic has hit form again, and, and, um, and Shane Long has scored a few goals, and they just seem to be getting themselves back to where we expect, and then Charlie Austin could be the icing on the cake. So hopefully, even if it's on the bench, we, we see a bit of Charlie Austin. And on the, the West Ham side, well, they're a great story. Were it not for Leicester City's um, incredible rise to the top of the Premier League at this stage of the season, you know, West Ham will be one of the stories of the season. And having done their game a couple of weeks ago against Manchester City, the 2-2 draw, which was on NBC as well, watching Dimitri Payet that afternoon was an absolute joy. So hopefully he doesn't suffer any injuries or, or twinges in training this week and he'll be out and firing on all cylinders at St. Mary's Stadium, because he is a quite sensational player to watch. So plenty to look forward to for the NBC game on Saturday. West Ham in sixth place currently. 24 matches played, 39 points. One point behind Manchester United in fifth. And just six points, this is where it starts to get real interesting, just six points behind fourth place and dropping fast that North London side known as Arsenal. Would you give West Ham any outsider's chance to finish in the top four, Arlo? I would give them a chance. I I wouldn't rule anything out in this season, Nate. It's absolutely extraordinary. I I do expect Arsenal to to regain form. Um, I expect Tottenham to to be good between now and the end of the season. But you never know if West Ham can exert some pressure on the sides above them. You never know what can happen. All they can do is take care of their own business. And, And, you know, the signings that they've made as well. I think Byram's an excellent signing for West Ham United. They've been pretty good defensively. They've got a good goalkeeper, two really good young fullbacks. You know, Collins or Bonner have been excellent in the uh, in the centre of defence. Mark Noble is playing terrific football. You know, you go back to the last transfer window, and on the last day uh, or deadline day, uh, Mikel Antonio was signed, and he's got I think three Premier League goals, all vital goals uh, as well. So they've added 
well to their to their squad and their starting eleven. I've mentioned Payet, but also Enna Valencia has started scoring goals as well, just at the right time. So if West Ham can take care of business and they've got some terrific results recently and they carry on this good form, there's no reason why they can't put pressure on the existing top four and that will demand that the top four, you know, maintain their form uh, and see this thing through. So I wouldn't rule out West Ham United out of the Champions League spots at all at this stage. Again, the match is Southampton hosting West Ham at 12.30 Eastern time here in the States on NBC, 9.30 for all you West Coasters. Very much looking forward to that. The Saints and the Hammers live from St. Mary's. All right, now you are currently talking to us from the East Midlands. You're, you're up in Derby. So when are you heading down to the South Coast? And I have to ask you, Arlo, how are you getting there, and do you still trust trains after some of your experiences in, in recent seasons? Oh, I trust the train system. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very, very good here. I mean, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll take a journey down on Saturday morning uh, down to Southampton and meet up with the rest of the, uh, rest of the team who will be coming from various places around the country. Uh, the train system is, is very, very good. It, it's much maligned in this country, but it does get you from A to B. Um, it just gets a bit uh, hairy every now and again when the weather's a bit poor and they might have things on the lines. But, uh, you know, Touchwood so far, so good. So I'll head down to Southampton very early Saturday morning. Look to get to the stadium uh, four, four and a half hours uh, before kickoff. We have uh, the NBC coverage of the Premier League piped into our little van outside in the parking lot at the St. Mary's Stadium. And indeed, before every uh, game, that, that uh, truck... Um, uh, maybe Chuck is overstating it, Nate. It's, it's a small van that we uh, that we've got a little few seats in it and a microwave oven. But if we love it, um, we tend to watch a lot of the the games before the five thirty kick off on uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to a couple of games before uh, before our game. Uh, after three o'clock kickoffs, which are always interesting, and of course the the Manchester City against Leicester City game at twelve forty five our time, seven forty five Eastern your time. So we like to watch as much as we can of the games before our game. So we've got a good handle on what's happened in the Premier League uh, in the day leading up to our game. So, yeah, that'll be the routine. And then after the game, we'll be driving to London, staying in a hotel uh, on Saturday night in London, and then getting to Stamford Bridge very early Sunday morning um, because we're doing, obviously, the Chelsea against Manchester United game. But I'm also in the studio on site hosting with Lee Dixon and Graham Lasseau uh, before the game. So we've got seven or eight hits and segments before the game and then a few after the game as well. And we'll be calling it as a three-man boot. So it's a very busy, but I'm, I'm sure really enjoyable, almost intoxicating weekend uh, ahead of us. We can't wait for it. I can't wait for the intoxicating weekend ahead as well. Now I got to go to something really funny, and that is that Chelsea hosts Manchester United. And when I look at the schedule, that, that's on Sunday uh, at eight o'clock for for the West Coasters here in America. Eleven o'clock uh, on the East Coast on on NBC Sportsnet. You got Man City hosting Leicester. That seems to be the match that everybody wants to talk about for for obvious reasons. I even look at this this Tottenham Watford clash coming up as a a real intriguing tie. You guys are doing Southampton West Ham. The funny thing I'm getting at is Chelsea is hosting Manchester United, and in all honesty, it feels like maybe the fourth or fifth most intriguing fixture of the Premier League weekend. I mean, what does that say about this season in England, Arlo? Well, it's extraordinary, isn't it, Nate? And I, I go back only to, to April, uh, and Manchester United arrived at Stamford Bridge for this fixture, and 
you know, Chelsea were all but champions, but there was still a whiff of a chance for Manchester United if they if they got a result against Jose Mourinho's side. And, you know, Mourinho was in lockdown mode and uh, having sustained uh, a bit of, uh, survived a bit of early pressure, I think Rooney missed a very good chance from memory. Uh, you know, Hazard scored as he was doing virtually every week at the time. You know, they closed out with a, with a, a strong defensive effort, a 1-0 win, and that, that pretty much secured the title. And it certainly ended Manchester United's uh, tilt. Um, this season is very different. I mean, look at Chelsea. I mean, so much has been said about them. It's absolutely incredible what has happened to them this year. But they are unbeaten under Gus Hiddink. I, I think for a Chelsea perspective, they've now put nine points between themselves and the relegation spots because it was getting a bit hairy there. I think it was one point when Gus Hiddink took over. So at least the conversation isn't about a potential relegation for Chelsea Football Club unless they hit the buffers and lose a lot of games again. Um, but it is amazing that, that, that a Chelsea-Manchester United tie is, is nowhere near the most talked about at the weekend. But there is always uh, an appeal when the big teams get together, regardless of the situation they're in. There, there's always going to be an enduring appeal uh, of a game between Chelsea and Manchester United. And let's not forget, I mean, I know a lot of the appeal is almost like rubbing neck in car crashes, isn't it? But it's going to be fascinating to see how Manchester United respond to their, to their recent situation. And that was a massively important 3-0 win, scoring first half goals as well, entertaining the old Trafford crowd uh, during the week, you know, and on the back of a, of a decent performance away at a championship club, Derby County in the FA Cup. So at least they've started scoring goals again. But... You know, they've got to go to, to Chelsea and they've got to pick up a result because although Arsenal are sliding, I don't expect that slide to last too long, although they've got a, a difficult game ahead of them um, at the weekend. But, I mean, going to Bournemouth at this stage of the season or any stage of the season isn't easy. That's what they're going to face uh, on Sunday. Um, but Manchester United have got to keep winning their games to put some pressure on the top four because Champions League football has to be... Uh, a priority and a prerogative uh, for Louis van Gaal and Manchester United. So there, there are subplots of plenty still. There is plenty to intrigue us in a game between uh, Chelsea and Manchester United. But like you say, it is not the top table tussle that it usually is. And the top table tussle that is will actually be the game kicking off what is sure to be another wacky, wild, and enjoyable Premier League weekend. Manchester City hosting Leicester City. That kicks off the weekend Saturday afternoon over there in England, Saturday at 4.45 for all of you West Coasters. Here in America and Chelsea Man United will wrap up the weekend as the Sunday 4 o'clock English fixture. We're going to talk a little bit more, though, about that Man City-Leicester match and talk about fairy tale city Leicester my goodness back after this more with Arlo White right here on World Soccer Talk Radio stay tuned see the world's best matches live wherever you are with Fox Soccer to go watch select live matches on your smartphone on your tablet and on your computer get the app get the games Get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com. I spent months searching the world over for the very best Nashville hot chicken recipe. Then I found it in the last place I ever expected. Nashville. KFC's new Nashville hot chicken. Crispy, hand-prepared chicken with a legendary blend of spicy and smoky flavor. You know, in hindsight... 
but I probably should have just started in Nashville. KFC, it's finger licking good. Limited time offer. Pricing and participation may vary. Tax extra. Without automatic cloud backup, everything on your computer is at risk from hackers, viruses, natural disasters, or even the occasional human error. Few things are as bad for business as downtime. So why take the risk? Get Carbonite Cloud Backup and protect all the files that keep your business or your home running smoothly. Start your free trial today at Carbonite.com. No credit card required. Use the offer code TRENDS and get two free bonus months if you decide to buy. You know that non-bank private equity business loans aren't for every business, but billions of dollars have already funded across this greatest nation on God's green earth. This is Michael Medved for businessloansnow.com, where they focus mostly on monthly cash flow, not personal credit. If your business could use funding in less than 48 hours, I encourage you to research the private equity loan sector at businessloansnow.com to find out how much your business could qualify to get. That's businessloansnow.com, businessloansnow.com. If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for, freesoccertrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish. And this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S. Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Freesoccertrial.com. Cheers. Welcome back into the show. Nate Abarea and Arlo White here with you. And it's time to talk about a subject that, Arlo White, I I think it's safe to say you enjoy talking about. And that is Leicester City being top of the Premier League table. I'm sure you've been pinching yourself quite a bit uh, this season as, as someone who grew up supporting that club. But... Talk about the next task at hand as Leicester travel to the Etihad in a first versus second clash. I still can't believe I'm saying this. It's Leicester and Manchester City in a 1v2 clash at the Etihad, kicking off the Premier League weekend. Talk about what Leicester could do to to get a result from this thing. (laughs) Well, you wouldn't put anything past them, mate. Every time that people predict that the wheels will come off and Leicester will return to, to from whence they came, you know, they get results. If their if they're really dodgy spell was across Christmas with a, a narrow defeat at Anfield and a couple of nil-nil draws, including one against Manchester City, then they're in good shape, aren't they? You know, they've come back, and I was at the Aston Villa game uh, away from home commentating for NBC, and I thought then that it may have run out of steam. It was a 1-1 draw. You'll remember that... Uh, Shinji Okazaki put Leicester in, in front in the, in the first half. And soon after that, they won a penalty. Somewhat dubious circumstances, a, a supposed handball by uh, Sizoko, but the penalty was given. And uh, Riyad Mahrez, who has been a, an absolute star this season, as everyone, all your listeners will attest, stepped up, didn't look particularly confident. He'd already missed one against Bournemouth and in a League Cup uh, shootout at Hull uh, early in the season. 
and it was a really poor penalty. And from that moment on, Leicester went into their shells, and you, and you felt against an Aston Villa side devoid of confidence, uh, the crowd turning against them, uh, a very flat atmosphere anyway, uh, without you know a win since the opening day at that time. They were there for the taking. And I thought that Ranieri that day went into his shell and almost accepted a 1-0, sorry, a 1-1, when it was 1-0. And lo and behold, encouraged to come forward and to throw on all their attacking strength, Aston Villa got an equaliser. And I came away from the game thinking, if they accept a top-four spot and try and draw away games and, and just finagle results here and there, then they may come a cropper. The Leicester that got themselves to the top of the table are the one you saw against Liverpool on Tuesday night. Now, it is hard to replicate that level of performance each and every week, but I thought it was an att- a case of attitude. And I was delighted from a, from a Leicester fan's perspective and from a Premier League storyline perspective that to be proved wrong. And they came out against Stoke and they were all energy. And of course, everyone saw the game against Liverpool and Vardy's goal on Tuesday night. So they've done brilliantly. They've got over a recent blip. They've even won at one of their title challenges, Tottenham Hotspur, and kept a clean sheet at White Hart Lane. So there are are thoughts now, even amongst diehard Leicester fans who are expecting this to go wrong, that maybe they will have a tilt at the title. I think it's still a long shot. Um, I I, I look at the other teams and and I, I see hope for Leicester that they have busy fixture lists. Manchester City have a League Cup final. Champions League, they should get through to the next stage after, after this knockout round. They're still in the FA Cup. They're expected to fight on all four fronts. Um, and that's going to be tough. Pellegrini's leaving. Is he a lame duck before Guardiola comes in? Or does the shadow of Guardiola inspire these players to do great things? We'll have to wait and see. A lot depends on Sergio Aguero's fitness. Spurs themselves in great form. Europa League and FA Cup for them as well and he doesn't like to drop too many players from his starting 11 does he Maurizio Pochettino Arsenal I'm sure will get themselves together but they've got Champions League and they're looking to create history this is the first team to win three consecutive FA Cups since the 1880s is it I think Blackburn Rovers so they've all got other things on their plate Leicester City have the Premier League and that's it so this might level out the idea that they don't have the depths of squad clearly they can't afford injuries to, to Jamie Vardy and to Riyad Mahrez But they have a shot at this. It would be, to my mind, the greatest achievement in the history of the Premier League, even the history of the top flight in English football, and that dates back an awfully long time to the late 19th century. To do it, a club the size of Leicester, with the the powerhouses and the financial muscle of, of all those around them, would be quite astonishing. They could go to Man City, Nate, and lose 5 0. That Man City are that sort of side. But I predict that Leicester will be in the game if they suffer a narrow defeat but then can get something at Arsenal the week after, maybe a draw. They'll still be in it. Um, unfortunately for them, if they lose both games, they'd have lost them to title challenges and, and that may be the start of a slide. We just don't know. It is such a great story right now and the world is watching and the world is interesting. I think it's fabulous for the city of Leicester, but I also think it's absolutely heaven-sent for the Premier League to have a team like Leicester top with 50 points, three points clear, and what are we on, the 4th of February. I think it's magnificent. So if it continues, great, but Leicester fans have had a a really wonderful ride if it were to end now. All right, Arlo, the last time you were on this show, Leicester City were in the midst of a 
to, to call it a great escape might be an understatement. You were on this show back in, in late April or early May. We'll have to have to check the archives for that one. I encourage everybody to go back and, and listen to that show to get a little perspective in terms of what we're talking about here. Because Leicester City not only were part of that great escape, they won four matches in a row. They won four on the trot, and that was the first time that Leicester City at all had won four league matches consecutively since 1966, since before England had won the World Cup. So, I mean, it's some incredible stuff when you think about it like that. And I've heard people whispering, saying, hey, I wish more people would actually look back to the great escape last season and those wins in April and May of last year and how they actually relate to what Leicester have done this year. In other words, the momentum really started in some ways back late last season. What do you think about that statement, Arlo? And what would you say to the statement that maybe even a man by the name of Nigel Pearson might deserve a a little bit of credit for some of this? Well, Nigel Pearson deserves an awful lot of credit. You're absolutely right, Nate. And, 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 And I agree with you as well with the slingshot of momentum that they carried into the season. The genius of, of Claudio Ranieri, and, and let's not forget that Leicester fans, including Gary Lineker famously tweeting out uh, at the time, he wasn't the only one by any stretch, but perhaps the most famous one and the most high-profile one. Leicester fans were underwhelmed by the appointment of Claudio Ranieri. They and the, and the team themselves loved Nigel Pearson. I think a lot of fans understood why in the end he had to go. His position had become untenable, and it was, it was the lead-up, OK, the events that happened in Thailand in the off-season were, were massively unsavory, involving his son and some of the younger players, and that was what tipped the balance in the end. I, I get the sense that the owners were looking to make a change anyway at that point, and that was the key thing that, that tipped the balance against him. He deserves enormous credit. But what Ranieri has done since coming in has done very little, not changed an awful lot. Christian Fuchs, who's been a revelation at left-back, the Austrian, uh, captain was signed uh, before um, 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 Pearson uh, was removed from office, so to speak. Um, he's added some excellent players, but it's the it's the, the scouting department that have scouted these guys. You know, the likes of Angolo Kante has been a revelation as well. Ranieri's brought a couple of uh, experienced players in, and they're the ones that perhaps haven't featured too much in the side. So Ranieri has come in and he's realised what has been successful for Leicester, and he hasn't changed a great deal. The backroom staff that Nigel Pearson had haven't left the club. Who knows whether they will when he eventually gets another job, which I'm sure he will. So it, it, it's been a perfect sort of uh, sense of continuity from the back end of last season when they won seven out of the last nine to this season. If you combine the tables, I, I was doing this most weeks when they were on really good runs, Nate. I'm not sure what it is now, but they'd be easily clear uh, in first place if you started the season on April the 1st ahead of the final nine games last season. So it's it's been it's been remarkable, and if they can if they can finish this season as they finished last season, they Leicester City will be champions of the Premier League, and that's quite a remarkable thought. But they finish, and let me read you the last three fixtures: Man United away, Everton at home, Chelsea away. It's going to be almightily difficult to do it, but a team with this spirit, I don't think at this stage, can be ruled out. We got about a minute before we're going to head to another break here, Arlo. And, and I just have to ask you, when you compare these two individuals, you say Ranieri hasn't changed much, but when you look at the personalities of these two individuals, they could not be more to opposite ends of the personality spectrum. I mean, what do you think that says about these Leicester players in terms of who they're, they're playing for and the personality of their manager in, in many ways, in good ways, not mattering that much? 
Well, I've heard from behind the scenes that he works them hard. Don't get me wrong. It's not as if he's just kind of standing there sort of passively not, not doing anything. He, that's certainly not the case. But he hasn't changed anything fundamentally tactically. And he hasn't got it in the way of the spirit of the squad. So they, they've been worked and trained hard. I've, I've heard a few complaints coming out of the camp, actually, about, about how hard he's working them. Now they're through the Christmas period and they've got breaks between games. I think things are calming down again. They haven't had the injuries as well that a lot of other teams have had to deal with. But, um, but in terms of personalities, you're right, they are very different. But I think he's realised that this, is, this team, this band of brothers, almost polices itself. They're a mature bunch. They do the right thing. They're very professional. They get along with each other. And, and when I say self-policing, they don't allow their own standards to slip. If any individual slips below it, he's soon told in no uncertain terms you know, to sort himself out. So Ranieri has done the right thing. He's taught things here and there. He's kept them fit. He's kept them as a unit. He's also kept the pressure off them with his, with his dealings with the press, which I think has been very impressive, which is where Nigel was a disaster last year, unfortunately. I don't think he'd mind me saying that either. It was just, it was a, it, the PR was terrible, so he had to go eventually. But uh, that's how it distinguished the, the, the difference in approach between the two men. Uh, and we'll see how it, uh, how it ends up for Claudio Ranieri. But he will have a statue in the centre of town, along with uh, probably 15 other players if they manage to pull this one off. My goodness. Would you believe it? Leicester taking on Manchester City in a 1v2 clash this weekend at the Etihad, kicking off the Premier League weekend on Saturday. We're back after this right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Pretty good. Pretty damn good, that's Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio. Nate Abarea and Arlo White here with you, talking Premier League, talking Leicester fairy tales. But it's time now to talk a little folk music. Arlo, from time to time, many people that I work with, many people that I'm friends with, they'll jokingly call you Arlo Guthrie. They'll say, oh yeah, that, that Arlo Guthrie, he's a, he's a great play-by-play commentator. I love his work for NBC. And then they'll, they'll half-jokingly ask, yeah, I, w- I wonder if he's named after Arlo Guthrie. Ah, there, there's no way he's actually named after Arlo Guthrie. Arlo White, would you care to shine a little light on this discussion? Well, if only I were worthy of the, of the surname Guthrie. Um, I am indeed named after Arlo Guthrie. My mum and dad were massively into their folk music um, in the early, well, late 60s, early 70s. Um, I grew up listening to Washington County. My um, dad's still got the album. It's a little worse for wear now, but uh, we put it on whenever we get together and, uh, and share a few drinks around the, the family table. Um, I, after my 40th birthday, I spent my 40th birthday in Boston with my wife and a couple of kids and Kyle Martino and Russ Thaler as we covered uh, the LA Galaxy's trip to, uh, to the New England Revolution. Um, and the day after, I decided to drive through Massachusetts to the, uh, the town of Stockbridge, um, which is where Alice's restaurant still stands. It's not called that anymore. I think it's called the Stockbridge Cafe or something. Um, and I had lunch in there, and I called my dad from there. I said, Dad, I'm in Alice's restaurant, and he just refused to believe me for, for, for 10 minutes until I convinced him otherwise. Um, and it was a great experience, and, and I didn't realize as well, looking more into the town, it was a real sort of enclave for, for artistic talent, and Norman Rockwell um, lived there for many years and painted some of his finest works there. So it was an absolute pleasure. And to go out to the Woody Guthrie Center in a neighboring town, I think it was Barrington, 
uh, where um, Arlo Guthrie still goes back for every every Thanksgiving and, and plays Alice's Restaurant as well. It was just like a pilgrimage for me. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, and one of the nicest memories and the best ways you could possibly spend a 40th birthday. So um, I did send him a Facebook uh, message, a long, meandering Facebook message, um, <laughs> telling my story. I bet that 5,000 people have done this to Arlo Guthrie, uh, saying that they were named after him. And I told him about going to his hometown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then three minutes later, uh, a message popped back. What a cool story, man, <laughs> from Arlo Guthrie himself. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It absolutely made my day. Um, and one day, I'd, I'd love to see him live. So hopefully our, our paths will cross one day. It would be an absolute pleasure and honor to, to meet him one day. What a cool story, man. Now, now I got to ask you on, on that note, and you, and you brought up, of course, uh, the, the late, great Woody Guthrie and, and everything that he gave to, to folk music in, in the original days in, in America. And what are your strengths that I've picked up as, as a commentator is, is your knowledge, and this goes for, for when you're in England, but even going back to, to your work with the, the Seattle Sounders, and there's another great uh, Woody Guthrie connection in terms of the Pacific Northwest and such, but your your infatuation and of and and your knowledge of culture that surrounds these towns and and cultures that surround these these cities and teams and everything that pours into the actual soccer and i feel like you know being being into something like woody guthrie or arlo guthrie it, it's got to give you something in terms of americana here in the states that that is is very special even as a sports commentator talk about that in terms of being so in love and and interested with the the culture surrounding the sports and surrounding the geography well, it's it's no surprise and 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 no coincidence that that i speak to an American audience, even if it's for a sport that when I first visited America in 1986, I didn't, I didn't think there'd be a chance of earning a living, you know, uh, uh, through the sport of soccer. And, and I marveled from a, from a distance at, at, at the NFL when it first started to be broadcast over here. I'd listened to, you know, very grainy, um, um, atmospheric uh, radio broadcasts that were beamed across from, from Germany, from the American Armed Forces, you know, baseball games late into the night when I should have been asleep, you know, and getting ready for a school day the next day. You know, is it American movies, American TV shows? I've, I've lapped up American culture for as long as I can remember. And, and as soon as my, I finished my A-levels, which is effectively graduating high school, I was in America a week later, and I stayed with my family in Chicago from mid-May through to Christmas Eve. I got back to the family in England for Christmas Eve. Um, traveled the country on, on an Amtrak rail pass where you could travel for six weeks for, for the cost, I think, at the time of $300 or something. It was a, a ticket that was, that was open only to, to, uh, to foreigners. So talk about Woody Guthrie. I mean, there was a little more luxurious than Woody Guthrie in, this, in, the, uh, in the stock cars, you know, in the rail cars back in the 30s, 20s, 30s, and 40s. But it, was, uh, it wasn't first class by any stretch. But the Amtrak rail system is, is fantastic to, a way to see the country. And, and I've, I've got back whenever I can. I called, you know, Super Bowls for the BBC because I put my hand up and wanted to get back. So when the offer came to go to Seattle, I, I just snapped it up. And um, even though I came back to the UK, it was sent by, by NBC. It was a great opportunity. Uh, had it not come along, I'd still be in America now. So I, I, I thoroughly love still having the connection with the country, even if it's just broadcasting there and not being there on a, on a daily basis. And I follow things, you know, if it's not watching 
you know, the coverage of the Iowa caucuses, it's downloading and watching and streaming Jimmy Fallon clips or Seth Meyers clips <laughs> and all that, you know, just soaking up the pop culture on a daily basis. I absolutely love it. And, uh, and I'm sure as soon as the season ends, my wife and I are talking about a, a holiday, you know, literally the day after the end of the, the Premier League season maybe checking out California this year and doing a bit of travelling with our, our little girls around there. So I think it comes in handy, getting it back to the sports broadcasting, I think it comes in really handy for me, um, but it's not forced. Um, my, my love and involvement of America stretches way back to, to before I can remember, and, um, and I just and I love it, and I want it to continue for as long as possible. You know, a lot of people that, that I work with alongside in this country obviously broadcast to the domestic audience here, um, but for as long as I can broadcast to America, I will do until told that I'm no longer required because I get such a thrill out of it. Well, California would welcome you with open arms this summer, Arlo. So I hope you're able to make it out here, whether it's the, the rugged, beautiful, outdoorsy north or the, the beaches of the south. Come to California. We would love to have you. Now, it's funny. You talk about your love for, for America and, and funny enough for California, where I grew up. I'm a, I'm a northern California boy. And it's so funny that I grew up with this great affection for Lester. And a lot of that actually happened when I was eight years old being in England for the first time and actually going to Filbert Street on a few occasions and what funny enough for those of you who are knowledgeable about your Premier League history you'll know that there was actually something that drew me to Leicester City and that was an American goalkeeper by the name of Casey Keller but what ended up happening is it was a lot more than just the interactions with Casey and getting to see Casey play it was me truly falling in love with that ground and falling in love with those fans and and the diversity of the city and so on that note I think this is a perfect way to kind of flip this on its head here Arlo let's let's talk a little Filbert Street memories let's go back to your upbringing as a Leicester fan and what are some of the first memories that that come to mind the 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 great matches maybe even some of the tough matches in your Leicester fan upbringing well first it was an odd ground it was um probably the site of it was probably 300 yards away from the current KP Stadium, where Leicester have been for ten or eleven years now, and uh, yeah, we all—I uh, think a lot of fans miss Filbert Street, but it certainly wasn't as luxurious as you as you found yourself. Probably <laughs> as an eight-year-old, it was a very odd ground. It had a big stand behind the goal called the Double Decker, and if you were a youngster, you probably saw your first football in Leicester from the top tier of the Double Decker, which was wooden benches, very steep, and if you were near the front, you felt like you were sat on top of the crossbar. It, as you got older and uh, and the strings to your parents, you know, loosened a little bit, um, you probably felt tough and big and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know about aggressive enough, but, but mature enough, I'd say, to go down <laughs> below into the cop. Uh, there was Penwan back in the days of hooliganism, wrought iron fences and, and uh, you know, spikes everywhere to stop you getting on the field and to getting, and getting to the, the neighbouring away fans as well. Um, so we were well segregated, but there was pen one for the away fans. Pen two was often empty to keep the fans apart. Pen three is where all the atmosphere was. And pen four was the guys that used to sing, but got a bit old. So then went out for an easier time in pen four. Um, and there was some pretty lively times there. I remember one time Leicester scoring a big goal. Um, I think it might've been Tommy Wright against uh, Cambridge in a playoff game, semi-final, uh, late eighties. Uh, and I lost my shoe. <laughs> I had to wait to get moved all around the pen when something major happens, and you have no control over where you're standing. In fact, in fact your feet are off the ground. Um, and of course, that doesn't happen anymore, and probably rightly so, given what happened and the horrendous events at Hillsborough. Um, but it was it was sort of pre, pre that time, and 
and you had to wait until everybody left the, the stadium to go looking for your shoe and hope that nobody had taken it with them, you know, and there it was, lo and behold, on, the, on one of the terrace steps um, after the game, and I was just delighted because I would have got a clip around the air and I got home without, you know, with only one shoe. Um, and just great, just things like that that don't really happen in, in football anymore. But there was the other two, there was the main stand along one side, so these two really big stands. So if you were in the opposite corner, it looked like you were at a really big stadium. But if you're in the other corner, they had a tiny east stand running, uh, which was just behind this row of terrace houses along one uh, touchline. And then behind the goal at the other end, it looked something out, like something out of a Sabutio set. Little orange bench seats, only about 10 rows. And then these uh, primitive luxury boxes that just hung above the crossbar. A, you know, a little chip shot that went over the crossbar would leave the ground. You know, it was, it was so weird how it was configured. But it was a wonderful place to sort of start watching football and learning about football, um, even though Leicester City were, were no great shakes in the second division for most of that time. Uh, but great memories of, of, of formative years, you know, going down with your parents and then going down with your mates from school for the first time. Um, yeah, that's where I learned the game. And it's, it's much missed. Um, but on a, on a big night at the KP these days, I don't think Leicester fans, you know, grumble too much that they've moved away from there. <laughs> Without a doubt, and again, a place very, very near and dear to my heart, where I, in many ways, cut my teeth as a as a football supporter, and and cheers to all of the great Leicester fans who made me feel right at home as an eight year old child. Up in, of course, the top tier of the double decker, and I have to share this story with the listeners, Arlo. We we talked about this this past summer, and I was telling you about my first time at Filbert Street and the incredible experience that that went with everything, and I could I, th- this story could go on for hours and hours so I'll just get to the get to the beef of it here it was April of 1999 and it was an incredible 2-2 draw with Aston Villa where Villa were actually up 2-0 at halftime Robbie Savage and Tony Cotty both mm-hmm. with uh, incredible goals to help Leicester fight back and tie that thing at two and I'm telling you this whole story and then you had something funny to to tell me back about that night Arlo well I was there <laughs> is that what you that's, mean? That's what, that's what I'm getting at, indeed. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I, if, I think it turns out that we were probably seated, I don't know, less than 20 feet away from each other on that day because uh, I was there. Um, I think my now wife was there with me, but certainly my Aston Villa supporting pal was with me who was digging me in the ribs throughout uh, the entire game when uh, Villa had a two-goal lead and... Uh, and uh, I guess I had the last laugh, although honours were shared uh, at the end of the game, uh, thanks to a second-half comeback. But, uh, yeah, we were at the same game at the same time. What a ridiculously small world this is. How often does that happen? To, to, honestly, I mean, is that a rare occurrence where you're talking to a fan and you guys happen to be at the same game way back when? Well, I suppose if you talk to people from the same town, there's a, there's a fair chance that it happens. I, I don't recall, no, ever having a chat with somebody from a different side that that was at the same ground, although maybe the Arsenal game, the famous 3-3 that Casey Keller played in and Dennis Bergkamp scored one of the, it's all on YouTube, check it out. Dennis Bergkamp scored an outrageous hat-trick and it was, I think, 2-1 after 90 minutes and the score ended 3-3 and I joked to Lee Dixon about it because he was guarding one of the posts from a corner. That's funny that I now get to talk to Lee Dixon about these games, uh, the former (laughs) Arsenal legend, of course. Uh, he he uh, he left his post uh, into which or by which Steve Walsh headed the equaliser in like the 97th minute or something, 
and I've spoken to Lee about being in the game, actually playing it, and I think I've spoken to a couple of Arsenal fans who were distraught at having been there that night, but that was one of the great games in the history of Filbert Street, and uh, I've also had the pleasure of talking to Katie Keller about it as well, who said, I had no chance with all three of those Bergkamp goals, and for once, Katie, I believe you, because I've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up with, with an Arsenal-supporting father, I remember watching that one live on, on TV in, in Northern California. That is one of my all-time favorite English matches. Be sure to look that one up on YouTube. Leicester 3, Arsenal 3 from 1997 or 98. You'll have to, have to double-check on that one, but just look up Leicester 3, Arsenal 3. You will find it on the YouTube. Arlo, we could go down memory lane for hours and hours, but I know you got to get back to all your prep work for this weekend best of luck down on the south coast with southampton and west ham and thank you so much for your time and you're welcome back on the show anytime mate oh thanks a lot nate i appreciate it thanks for having me on and uh, all the best to all your listeners as we enter the run-in here and i hope you enjoy another action-packed weekend on the on nbc sports it's uh, it's great to do the job and thank you everyone for watching we do appreciate the support so enjoy Again, that was Arlo White. Check him out this weekend on NBC, 12.30 Eastern Time here in the States, 9.30 Pacific Time, Southampton hosting West Ham. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. You can indeed get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant, and you can hear great interviews with folks like Arlo White right here on World Soccer Talk Radio in other Big thank you to Arlo White for joining us on the show. A very busy man. And again, hear him this weekend as he calls Southampton and West Ham. Live from St. Mary's, 9.30 Pacific time here in the States, 12.30 over there in New York and down to Florida and back up to Maine. All of you East Coasters can tune in at 12.30 in the afternoon for that one. Between the Saints and the Hammers, the Hammers. Still with the outsider's chance to finish in a European spot. Would you believe it? Talk about taking some momentum into the Olympic Stadium next year. I hope you have a fantastic footballing weekend. I hope you enjoy all of these matches in England and around the world, whichever league you are focusing in on. Enjoy yourself. Get out and play some soccer. Coach some soccer. Love the game. Give back to the game. My name is Nate Abarea. Pleasure to talk to you again right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.